Good morning. morning. Warm welcome this morning. That was actually the opening hymn of my ordination, so brings back some of the feels. We'll begin our service of Holy Eucharist on the first page of our seasonal booklet. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Blessed be His kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known. And from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Lord, we pray that your grace and may always precede and follow us, that we may continually be given to good works through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated for the readings. Our first reading is from 2 Kings. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man in high favor with his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Araman. The man, though a mighty warrior, suffered from leprosy. Now the Armenians, now the Armenians on one of their raids had taken a young girl captive from the land of Israel. And she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my lord were here with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to give death or life? That this man send word to me to cure a man of leprosy. Just look and see how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man that God heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent a message to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me that he may learn that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and halted at the entrance of Elisha's home. Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became angry and went away, saying, I thought that for me he would surely come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, and would wave his hand over the spot and cure the leprosy. Are not Abana and Farfar, the rivers of Damascus, better that all, than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? He turned away and went away in a rage. But his servants approached him and said, Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more, how much more when he said, All he said was, wash and be clean. So he went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan, 
according to the word of the man of God. His flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy, and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God, he and all his company. He came and stood before him and said, Now I know there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Please join me in reciting Psalm 111 found in your insert. Alleluia. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright in the congregation. Great are the deeds of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. His work is full of majesty and splendor, and his righteousness endures forever. He makes his marvelous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He gives food to those who fear him. He is ever mindful of his covenant. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the lands of the nations. The works of his hands are faithfulness and justice. All his commandments are sure. They stand fast forever and ever because they are done in truth and equity. He sent redemption to his people. He commanded his government forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Those who act accordingly have good understanding of his praise and endures forever. Our second reading is from Timothy. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, a descendant of David, that is my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, so that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is sure, if we had died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Remind them of this and warn them before God that they are to avoid wrangling over words, which does no good but only ruins those who are listening. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved by him, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly explaining the word of truth, the word of the Lord. We stand for our gospel hymn in 634.
we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. St. Paul has this brief poetic moment reflecting on his own hardship, but also talking about the hardships of life. The strange thing about life is life is inevitably full of challenges, and of course, it ends in death. This would be a rather bleak reality if we did not believe that there was some meaning to it all. Rather than stopping with death, St. Paul gives meaning to it all in one sentence. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. Death gives us life with Christ. But it's not just death. We don't even have to wait until that inevitable moment. It is, in fact, the challenge of challenges of life that have meaning in Christ. Whether we are alleviated from our hardship, which is a prayer answered, or we grow through suffering, those challenges all are an opportunity to strengthen our, and deepen our relationship with Jesus Christ. As St. Paul goes on to say, he says, if we endure, we all will also reign with him. God's hand is always at work for the good, even when things look their worst. But then Paul gives what feels like a stern warning. If we deny him, he will also deny us. It's important to remember that we are reading scripture through a certain cultural lens. So when we hear this line, we can probably invoke all sorts of things that may not be what Paul meant by it. This is a hard one because one of the things we have to be sure of when we read this is to understand what he's not talking about. He's not talking about, say, people who practice other religions. In fact, this is a wonderful thing that the gospel gives us, is the hero of the story. Well, the hero of the story is always Jesus, but in this particular story, the sort of secondary hero was the Samaritan. It was the Samaritan who was the righteous one in the gospel. Now, there's a little bit to say about Samaritans, because Samaria actually comes up in two of our readings today. So... Historically speaking, <clears throat> Samaria was formed out of what had been the northern kingdom. So Israel was split into two around 700 BC. <clears throat> the northern kingdom becomes Israel, the southern kingdom becomes Judah. Eventually the northern kingdom is carried off by the Assyrians and another people because what they would do in their empire is to keep rebellions from happening in various regions. They just take everybody mostly the elite, moved them somewhere else. You heard of the ten tribes of Israel, right? That's where they got lost at this point. Ten tribes of Israel carried off. History sort of lost them. But the Assyrians then replaced them with another people. Now the reality was they probably only took the upper class and the lower class people were still there. So the tradition of worshiping God continued and the Samaritans who were placed there adopted uh, the worship of God, but they worshiped God 
in Samaria, where the Judeans, later the Jews, worship God in Jerusalem, where Jesus is heading in the gospel. So what this creates is this dynamic that's very interesting. Because the Jews looked at Samaritans with a lot of contempt, even though maybe if you were an outsider, you wouldn't, you'd be like, well, they're both monotheists who worship this God, and what's the big difference? Well, reminds me of when I grew up. I grew up in southern Kansas, and I grew up about 20 miles from Oklahoma. We are talking just before about the uh, Pioneer Woman cooking show. Uh, she's actually just right across the state line from where I grew up. Anyway, growing up in Kansas, you know, we kind of had this like look down on Oklahoma, but Missouri, oh, let's not even get started on Missouri. Right? So, you know, growing up, this all felt very important to me, and you know, I grew up in what was then the Big 12 Conference, you know, in that region, right? So that was the only sports ball that ever happened, you know, when you play Oklahoma or Oklahoma State or Mizzou, and you know, we don't talk about them, all this, right? It seems very important. And then I went to seminary, and when I was in seminary, I went on a date one time with this girl from Connecticut, and she says, where are you from? I said, oh, I'm from Kansas, and she goes, Where's Kansas? <laughs> right. You know, but it is a lot like here, you know, of course, there's a little bit of state rivalry with Illinois and maybe a little with Minnesota, right? And if you're from somewhere else, you just look and you go, well, they're just a bunch of Midwesterners. So what, what's the big deal, right? You know? Well, so this is how that whole thing with the Samaritans played out, right? This, this rivalry, because they're just, they're very close, but they're not us. You know, so you kind of get how that works. So because of that, they were the most hated and reviled people by the Judeans. And that's just what makes this whole story very interesting. Um, it was the Samaritan who was the righteous one. And yet Jesus uses him as an example of redemption. And so in, in this one, the Samaritan is, is the key. Because all of the other people with leprosy were cured. Oh, where are the other nine, Jesus asked. But it was the Samaritan who showed gratitude, praising God, bowing down at Jesus' The other nine went their way. They did receive mercy. They received their healing. But their lack of gratitude was a denial of the one who showed them mercy. If we deny him, he will deny us. But going back to St. Paul, as he says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. Isn't that wonderful? If we are faithless, he remains faithful. It doesn't even matter what, what we do sometimes. It's interesting that people receive grace and mercy regardless of acknowledging God's hand, sort of like my uh, straw man and the joke I told at the beginning. This happens all the time. Of course, we think, well, why do good things happen to bad people? But even worse, 
Why, yeah, you know, it's always why do bad things happen to good people, but the even worse feels like why do good things happen to bad people? And yet, we have to sort of acknowledge, too, that none of us are really good all the time. We all have our flaws. We all do things wrong. We all make mistakes. We sin, and yet, yet, if we are faithless, God is still faithful. Going back into the history of Samaria, before the people were carried off into exile and disappeared into history, we hear the story of Naaman, the Aramean general. Uh, thanks to Bob, who got all these difficult words and names, like reading the Jerusalem phone book sometimes, and I would, every time I hear it, I was like, oh, I should probably tell people, uh, well, oops, I forgot, sorry, so, but actually you nailed them, so good job. That was kind of amazing, hearing all those names. Naaman, the Aramean general, is an example of this. He is not a believer. Um, in fact, he's an enemy of God's people. The Arameans, Aram was a kingdom in what is today uh, the southwestern part of Syria. The capital was Damascus. Um, and he, he goes, he says, leprosy, and so he goes to the prophet Elisha. Of course, the king of Israel first hears about this, and he says, what am I going to do? I'm not God. But he takes his chariots, he goes to Elisha the prophet. And he, this is really funny because here you can imagine this entourage, this parade showing up, the chariots, all the people. And you can imagine that, you know, oh, well, this is an important guy, the prophet better show up and do his thing. But what does he do? He sends a servant out and he says, just go, go take a bath in the Jordan River. You'll be fine. Right? And Naaman thinks, I came all this way, I've got my entourage, couldn't the guy have even come out and waved his hands over the sores or something? Well, but when we are faithless, God is still faithful. The prophet Elijah, Elisha gave him a simple command, wash in the Jordan. First Naaman refused, but then after a little convincing, he decided to go for it. And I love the story for a lot of reasons. Uh, the story, I think if you go a little deep in it, just kind of use your imagination, the story is reflecting <laughs> our own spiritual lives. Because where else do we hear about someone being immersed in the Jordan? I'll give you a hint. The word in Greek for immersed is baptizome. Where do we hear about someone being immersed in the Jordan? There we go. Jesus' baptism. The story can be a reflection of our own spiritual lives. It tells us about we can be ones who are born into a life of sin and yet sometimes even re resist God's grace and mercy, right? And yet we are made clean in our own baptism. As the baptism rite says, we thank you, Father, for the water of baptism in it. We are buried with Christ in his death. By it, we shared in his resurrection through it. We are reborn by the Holy Spirit. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. And like the Samaritan and like Naaman, we respond to this grace. 
As Naaman said, I know now that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. And in the psalm we pray, Hallelujah. I give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright in the congregation. Lastly, St. Paul says to Timothy, for he cannot deny himself. God's very nature is love and mercy. In fact, Christ is the embodiment of faithfulness, faithfulness to us and to who he is. Just as the psalm tells us to be thankful in the congregation, and Jesus tells the lepers to show themselves to the priests, we too come to the altar to celebrate the great thanksgiving, an act in which Christ is faithful to us and we to Christ. The one who is faithful has given us abundant grace and mercy. And for this, we humble ourselves at Jesus' feet. Thank you for joining the St. John the Divine podcast. If you are interested in worshiping with us, you can visit us at 9 a.m. at our church, which is at 216 East Chandler Boulevard in Burlington, Wisconsin. If you want to learn more about us, you can click the link in the description or visit stjohnthedivine.org. Just remember, we're the one in Burlington, Wisconsin, not the cathedral in New York. Have a great day. Bye.